You can, if you want, pursue your martial art as a pleasant hobby. You can look at your budol as a way to make yourself stronger, more confident, as a way to win championships or attain status, or socialize with others who share your interest. You can use your martial arts practice as an indulgence in romanticism, pretending you are a modern-day samurai. No one's thought to leave me in charge of how you should or shouldn't engage in your martial arts training. I'll tell you this much, though. You want to follow Budo as a way? You want to pursue a martial art as a medium through which to approach and understand life? Then there's some stuff you'd better do and some stuff you'd better know. First, you'd better know that Budo are a lot of hard work. You are reading this book, and it doesn't have any how-to pictures in it. Those two facts immediately establish that you are not the sort who just shows up at the dojo and goes through the motions, or the sort who thinks that budo is exclusively about perfecting physical technique. You understand there are other components in budo, and that engaging one's intellect is far from a pointless endeavor in learning to understand the martial ways. That's nice. And profitable for me the writer of this book. But it's also easy to get the idea, reading books and contemplating the great mysteries of the martial ways, that sweat, blood, and tears aren't really all that necessary. They are. In copious amounts at times. The budo are lots and lots of hard physical work, perspiring in the dojo and being achingly numb with cold in there as well. They are about training when you don't feel like it, about being afraid, being bored, being so tired you don't think you can do one more technique. That's why, while this book can't make you stronger or technically more skilled, I've devoted the first third of it to suggestions for addressing the physical and mental aspects of the budo. Second, you'd better understand right away that the budo are essentially, fundamentally, an expression of traditional Japanese culture and values. Yes, they have been westernized to some extent, even in Japan. That isn't all bad. It is, in any event, inevitable. Institutions like budo change. They evolve and devolve. They have, during their history, grown rich in meaning and value as human endeavors, and they have become impoverished at times, leached of some of their profundity and energy. There was never a moment in the history of the martial arts and ways of Japan when the budo were frozen in some ideal incarnation. There was never a golden moment when the martial ways of Japan reached their summit of perfection and from which they have been in a sad decline ever since. They have ebbed and flowed throughout their existence. The addition of Western influences is only one more chapter in their story, and it isn't necessarily or even probably the definitive chapter. There is nothing inherently evil in westernizing Japanese budo to some extent.
Try to strip away too much of the cultural appointments the Budo intrinsically possesses, however, and you will risk destroying their fundamental meaning. That means that if you want to follow the Budo, you must be willing to play in a different ballpark than the ones with which most of us are familiar and in which most of us have played. Budo isn't just a more exotic form of sport or activity than the more normal ones we know. It isn't like joining a softball league or taking up fly fishing. It's in a different park with different rules. If you are serious about it, you have to learn what that park is like and what those rules are. Those rules of the Budo depend a great deal on tradition. For that reason, the middle third of the book deals with that subject, the traditions of the Japanese martial ways.